Amen. Thank you, Olive. And good morning, everyone. It's great to see all of you online. It's good to see that little time there when everyone put their camera on just to see each other's faces. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us again this morning for another Sunday service. Um, I think without further ado, I'd like to just go straight into the word. So just um, agree with me in prayer as I open up in prayer and just allow the Lord to speak to us in our respective homes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for another time, an opportunity to spend time in your presence. Father, we commit this time into your hands and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to us, that you will draw us closer to you. We pray that this word comes, that you will prepare our hearts to receive this word so that, Lord, we will know you more and that, Lord, that you will speak specifically into our lives, specifically into our situation and ultimately draw us closer to you. We thank you, Lord God, May your word bring light and life to us this morning. Have your way, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, well, this morning I want to share a word. Um, I kind of struggled a bit to have a title for the word uh, this morning. Um, but if I can give it a title, the title will be Dynamics Stemming from Your Relationship with God. Dynamics Stemming from Your Relationship with God. Now, due to our current situation that we're in, obviously lockdown, um, the whole situation with the virus. We're now forced to recognize the things that are priority, as well as being forced to recognize things that are not a priority. You know, for example, having, um, you know, name brand goods right now isn't really a priority. You know, a few months ago, going to a restaurant to eat um, would be deemed as a priority, but it most certainly isn't. Now priority um, is having, making sure that you have toilet roll in your house which was like a, a, an absolute necessity a few weeks ago. It's kind of calmed down now um, and having pasta, all those kind of things. Those things were a priority because basic needs were lacking. So it's interesting how our priorities have very much changed in this season. In fact, I, I saw a WhatsApp message that was sent by someone recently um, and it listed five things that um, had changed since the lockdown. It's subjective, you can agree or disagree, but I'll just mention it just, just, uh, just out of interest. I said number one thing that has changed since long, that lockdown is that animals must, must feel the same way in a zoo as we feel on lockdown. Second thing is said that frontline workers are priceless. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's definitely a given. Number three is that everyone can survive without junk food, which is definitely true. Four is that men can cook. I'll move on quickly from that one. And finally, five is that life is fragile, handle with care, and reevaluate your priorities. Now, on the subject of priorities, your relationship with God really and truly should be your number one priority for two reasons. Number one is that it will determine where you go when you die. And number two, everything that you do in life stems or flows from your relationship with God. Now, there are various dynamics, blessings and privileges that flow from your relationship with God that I want to look at within this word. And I want to use a story in the Bible about a man called Elijah, who was a prophet. And many of you may know, some of you may not know who Elijah is. A prophet is a, is a messenger of God someone who God speaks to, to communicate things um, about the future. 
uh, and Elijah was a, a very specific type of prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, and the story takes place in the book of uh, 1 Kings 17. Um, and I want to read the entire portion of scripture and then break down how um, it fits with the dynamics with regards to our relationship with God. However, let me just quickly summarize the story quickly. So the story is this. Elijah was in the middle of a, a famine um, where the nation where he was was limited in terms of food. There was no food anywhere. And also it hadn't rained for a particular period of time. So therefore there were no crops, no veg, vegetation in the ground. Um, food was scarce, was unavailable. Now God instructed Elijah to travel to a place that was one of the worst affected places by the famine. And Elijah obeyed, he went to this place and there he met a widow and the widow's son. And God arranged so that this widow and the son were to help Elijah during that time um, with food and some other things. But whilst Elijah met with uh, the widow and the son, some dramas took place which would transform the life of the widow, would transform the life of the son, and also transform the life of Elijah. So that's a summary of the story. But if you don't mind, I would like to actually read the text uh word for word so just bear with me um as we go into it and then afterwards i'll go into and i'll break down exactly the elements of this story that i want to speak about so first Kings 17 reading from verse 1 to 24 so if you have your bibles um and get them ready if not don't worry i'll i'll read through the scripture and we can then follow so first Kings 17 starting from verse 1 it says now elijah the tishbite which is where he's from from tishbe in Gilead said to King Ahab as the Lord the God of Israel lives whom I serve there will there will neither be rain or dew in the next few years except by my word verse 2 then the word of the Lord came to Elijah says leave here turn east and hide in the Kerith ravine east of Jordan you will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there so he did what the Lord had told him, and he went to Kerith Ravine, east of Jordan, and stayed there. Verse 6, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Verse 7, sometime later the brook, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow to supply you with food. Verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to a town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He caught her and said, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get by, he called, bring me please also a piece of bread. Verse 12. Surely as the Lord, surely as the Lord your God lives, said the widow. I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home to make a meal for myself and my son, and then we may eat and die. Verse 13, Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Go home and do as I have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and for your son. 
For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used, used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the Lord sends rain on the, on the land. Verse 15. But she went away and did as Elijah told her. There was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour which was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word that the Lord spoke uh, from Elijah. Verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. Verse 18. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Verse 19. Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him by her arms. He took him by her arms, carried him up to the upper room where he was staying and laid on him and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord. This is Elijah. Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself over the boy three times and cried out to the Lord. Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. Amen. Thank you for your patience going through that scripture. See, in some ways, this portion of scripture compares to our current lockdown situation. For example, Elijah, I would say, represents you as a believer, you and I as a believer, um, a child of God in need of God's help. That's who Elijah represents. The famine that was existing around the time that Elijah, um, that, that story talks about. That represents the basic needs of people and how they were restricted in terms of having, not having uh, uh, enough food and being limited in the resources that they would normally be uh, uh, um, have at their disposal. And because of the famine, there was fear, there was desperation, there was anxiety across the land, similar to how there's fear and anxiety and desperation uh, that people are facing right now. People were hoping for God to intervene on their behalf and to help them through the famine. Again, in a similar way that the world is hoping that God will intervene concerning this virus and the lockdown and everything else stemming from it. Now, the story begins, as we read in verse one, with Elijah speaking to King Ahab. And the interesting thing is that Elijah felt led to make a bold statement in faith, which was this. He said, as the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. Now, the question I want to ask you is this. How can Elijah make such a statement with boldness? He says so, there will be no rain. And the answer, and this is my answer is this, that he did so simply because of his relationship that he had with God. 
you know, later on in, in this story, in, in the latter chapters, I think in chapter 18 and 19, his statement becomes a reality because he didn't rain in the land until he spoke to the weather again and then the rain started. And when it rained, the Bible said that it rained with a vengeance. The rain it had it was a massive downpour. So this story highlights some unique blessings and privileges that are at your disposal through your relationship with God. And I want to mention six elements, six things that demonstrate the privileges and the blessings that God has given to, to you um, with regards to your relationship with him. And even though there are six of them, I, don't, I, I do want to take my time going through them, so I'm not going to rush them. So the first one is this, is that you have the power to change your circumstances by what you say. I'll say that again. You have the power to change your circumstances by what you say. First Kings 17 verse 1, the scripture I just read, I'll read it again. It says, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to King Ahab, as the Lord, the King of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be no dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. Elijah spoke to the weather and told the weather what to do and the weather obeyed him. Very interesting thing. He spoke to the weather and the weather obeyed him. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. See, your words have power to release both death as well as life. This is why when, and it happens to all of us, when you get angry, when you speak out of anger, you're actually speaking in faith because when you say what you're saying you mean what you say at the time but you're speaking words of death about either somebody else or even yourself many of us have been there we say stuff like oh i will never be able to do this i'll never get this or i can't do this etc whatever it is those words are words of faith because when you say it, you believe it. But they're also words of death because they're not productive. See, look how God used his tongue. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. This is the example of how God wants us to use our words. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the, of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 6 says, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. Verse 9, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. And let dry ground appear. Verse 11, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit and seed on it according to their various kinds. 
See, God created the very world that we live in through his words by faith. Because when he spoke, he was convinced and had no doubt that it would happen. So he spoke the word into being. He knew that when he spoke, it was going to happen and it happened. So again, he used his words to demonstrate faith. And as he spoke, the world came into being. I see we are all made in God's image. You are made in God's image. So the same principles apply to us, apply to you in terms of being able to speak your situation, to speak the things uh, that you're believing in your, in your life. So my question to you is, what has your tongue been saying lately? What is it that you've been using your tongue to say, that lovely tongue of yours? You know, we know recently that um, our Prime Minister Boris Johnson was in hospital. During that time, I was hearing some people were saying some not very nice things about him in hospital, as though they wanted him to stay in hospital. But then in the same vein, people were praying for him, for him to be healed and to be delivered. And I'm pleased to say that uh, those that prayed for him to be delivered, their prayers came to pass, because as we know, he's been released from hospital uh, and he's now you know, recovering and I'm pretty sure he's on, on the road to full recovery. Now, there are many things that by faith that you can begin to speak and declare. And I want to encourage you with this word to use your tongue to speak life into every situation. Now, the situation that we find ourselves in right now is, is, is a absolute opportunity for us to be speaking life and to be speaking the things of God into being. You know, we can say by faith that this virus must leave now. In the same way, Elijah said that it will not rain until he says so. As children of God, as a believer, as Christians, we can say, you can say right now, that this virus must leave now. And as we speak that, we're speaking life and it has to obey. We can declare that by faith that this lockdown will finish where God wants it to finish. Not when the government says, because they have their plans, we're praying, anyway, we've been praying, um, that everything that the government does is God's will. But we can pray that the lockdown will end when God wants it to end, mm -hmm. whenever that may be. You can declare by faith and again speak that your job, your finances, your income will be protected during this lockdown. Amen. You don't have to sit back and, and wait for the government to install something in place in order to, for your, your finance to be protected. But go to the one that created you and begin to speak into your finance and declare and say that my job, my business, my income will be protected during this lockdown. You can do that. As God spoke this word into being, in the same way you can speak your situation into being by faith. So we can make all these statements by faith, just like how Elijah did so. And as we say it by faith, we believe in that it's God's will and it will happen. Amen. Second privilege and blessing that we have from our relationship with God is this, is that if you and I trust and obey God, he will meet your needs however he desires. 
Again, let's go back on the scripture. First Kings 17, I'm going to read from verse 2 to 5. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine, east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook, which I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Verse 5 says, So he did what the Lord told him. He went to the Kerith ravine, east of Jordan, stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the evening and bread and so bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook amen see god gave elijah instructions and information let me break it down so the instructions were that he should leave where he was and go to jordan in the midst of the famine now remember i said that he was where he was the famine was was bad but where god was sending him to it was worse food was even more scarce there which is why when i read earlier on when he met the widow the widow said we're going to eat our food and die because as far as the widow was concerned after that there's no more food so they were just preparing themselves for death so where god was sending him to was in a worse situation that he currently was so that was the instruction then elijah was given information and the information was this that when he gets to the place where uh, God is sending him to, to the east of Jordan. Ravens will supply him with food. Birds of prey will provide him with food. Now, would you trust God and obey, obey God with those instructions and that information? If God said to you, go somewhere that is in a worse situation where you currently are, and then when you get there, I'm going to bring birds to supply you with food. I don't think many of us will be very encouraged to take ourselves uh, into that situation, whether God said that or not. See, Elijah obeyed. And one of the reasons why Elijah obeyed, again, is because of his relationship with the Lord. See, it's your closeness, the closeness of your relationship with God, will, is which will help you to determine both if and how you receive instructions and information from God. I'll say that again. It's the closeness of your relationship with God that will determine if you receive instructions. Because sometimes, depending on if we're not that close to God, then God won't even give us instructions as such because we're too busy to number things. But if we're close to God, God will give you instruction because he recognizes you are relating to him. And he will tell you, my son, my daughter, this is what I want you to do. But also your, the closeness of your relationship will determine how you receive instructions. So your ability to hear when God speaks to you, to know when God is saying something to you. Because God speaks in many ways, but sometimes we're not able to hear because we're not close to him. You know, and it goes to any kind of situation. The more time you spend with somebody, the more that you know how they communicate, how they, how they speak to you. Sometimes somebody that you're close to may not have to use words verbally they can make a noise they can do some kind of body language but because you, you you're familiar with them you know exactly what those that noise means or you know exactly what that body language means because of your familiarity and it's exactly the same your relationship with god so as a result of his relationship god was, um, elijah was able to receive clear instructions information from god and the result was that the Lord made supernatural provision for Elijah. 
by way of a bird, which sounds ridiculous, but that's what the Lord did. Now, likewise, as you trust God, he will make supernatural provision for you. Some of you right now, you're in need of supernatural provision because of this coronavirus and this lockdown that situation that we're in. And the Lord is encouraging you to trust him, to let go and to trust him. Famous scripture in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. God is encouraging us to demonstrate trust in, in him and in him alone, not ourselves. When it comes to these kind of things, there shouldn't be a plan B when it comes to God. Either we trust him or we don't. And God is encouraging us in this season where, to an extent, we don't know what's around the corner. There's an element of the unknown in terms of what we're facing right now. But now is a prime opportunity for you to demonstrate trusting in God. Psalms 121 says this, it says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he watches over Israel. He who watches over Israel, so he will neither slumber or sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Amen. As you trust the Lord, the promises of this scripture are yours. And I pray that you will demonstrate trusting God, even in this situation that you're, that you're in right now. There'll be no plan B. There'll be no trying to you know, work something else out. But your focus will be totally on him, trusting in him, allowing him to be the one who will deliver you through this situation. And as you do so, every blessing that God wants to give to you will be yours in Jesus' name. Amen. The benefit and privilege number three is God will always control your circumstances when you let go and allow him to. I'll say that again. God will always control your circumstances when you let go and allow him to. Let's go back to the main text. First Kings chapter 17. I'm reading from verse 7 to verse 12. It says this. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may drink? As she was going to get it, he called and said, oh, and by the way, please bring me a piece of bread. Verse 12, as surely as the Lord lives, your God lives, the woman, the, the widow replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar 
and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and then die. Now I mentioned the scripture before. See, Elijah was instructed by God to ask for food and drink from a widow. Now there's, there's a lot of significance in that because socially and morally, such an act was, was wrong because widows were, were people that needed to be helped at the time and not relied upon as a source of help. So this situation on paper didn't appear to be one that God had really thought about properly on paper. That's how it seemed. Because you don't go to a widow, in, especially in those days, and ask them for help. Because they were the ones that should be receiving help from other people. And in addition, at that time, had people seen Elijah actually going and asking uh, this widow for help, he could have been attacked. People could have seen it. He could have been uh, beaten up um, and hurt very badly, even killed. However, as we know, God gave him an instruction. And Elijah submitted and obeyed those instructions. Now, likewise, we or you and I, we are to ensure that we are to let go and submit to the instruction that God gives to us. So that just like Elijah, we can receive the blessings that come with it. And see, the situation became even more difficult following her response at verse 12, where the widow said, or told Elijah that they only had enough food for her and her son and nothing else, and that they would die of starvation once they'd eaten their food. Now see, if you ask someone to help you, and they said that um, they can't help because if they do, that they would die, would you still insist on that person helping you? Now, in normal circumstances, of course you wouldn't. But the difference here was that God had given him an instruction. And as I said, this instruction was a very difficult instruction to carry out. Because on a natural level, this instruction didn't really make sense. It just wasn't, it wasn't the normal type of instruction. There were so many negatives attached socially to this instruction. But Elijah obeyed. See, whenever you receive an instruction from God, it is your duty to follow that instruction through. Because God will always show himself faithful in the end if we let go and submit to him. Because God is the one that gave that instruction. And the best example I can give of this type of instruction that I'm talking about and submission is our Lord Jesus. As we know, last Sunday, we celebrated Easter. Central to that celebration was the fact that Jesus was instructed by his father to die on the cross in spite of such a, 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 a you know, a horrific instruction. Jesus obeyed. He let go and he submitted to that instruction. And as a result of his submission, every one of us, you and I, are beneficiaries because we can now receive salvation. See, a lot of us have a number of things that we need to let go of. And God is saying to you this morning, right now, to let go. Some of you need to let go of your doubts. There are many things that you doubt 
in terms of maybe God's ability to do things in your life specifically, God is saying let go. Some of you need to let go of your fears. Some of these fears that you have are to such an extent that they keep you awake at night. God is saying to you, let go. Some of you need to let go of your insecurities. Insecurities that make you look negatively at your life or certain things in your life. God is saying to you, you need to let go. So let go of anything and everything that stops you from trusting your Heavenly Father. And instead submit yourself to Him. Amen. Okay, blessing and privilege number four. That I don't want to have to look at in terms of our relationship with God. So we're talking about how our relationship with God, the blessings and privileges that stem from it. So the fourth point I want to make is that God provides our needs and those around us when we obey his word. God provides our needs and also the needs of those around us when we obey his word. Again, let's go back to the core text, 1 Kings 17, but I'm reading now from verse 13 to 16. It says this, verse 13, Elijah said to, her, to the widow, do not be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. Let me just pause there. This is where I really commend Elijah for how he responded here because he was just told by the woman that we're going to go home, eat bread and then wait for death to take us because we don't have anything else. But Elijah demonstrated such obedience by saying to her, go home and do as you say, but still make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself. So he didn't even say to, to, to the widow to go home and eat your food and then bring what's left. He even said, go and make food for me first and then afterward take for yourself. Because that was the instruction that God gave him. Which is a very difficult instruction, but he obeyed. Anyway, verse 14. And it says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord. Until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Verse 15. So the widow went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word that the Lord had spoken by Elijah. The interesting thing about this part of the story is that the widow obeyed a stranger. Elijah, but with the intention of helping him. See, Elijah gave the instruction to the widow, but then added a promise to her in the form of a prophetic word when he said in verse, he said in verse 14, this is what the Lord has said. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, said the jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. In other words, he informed her 
from the Lord himself that whatever she gives in the form of flour and oil, that her supply will never end until the rain returns and the famine ends. In other words, as she, as she gives, it will be given back to her. See, this is in line with the principle of giving that comes from the scripture. Now, I want to read the scripture about giving. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says this. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be given to you. See, the widow gave and obeyed the instruction from Elijah. And in response, she received a supernatural blessing over her resources, as noted in verse 15. It says she went away and did as the Lord told her. So there was no food. So there was food every day for Elijah, for the woman and for her family. See, as you give to others and as you obey the Lord's instructions, may you also receive a supernatural blessing. See, the principle of giving is so important, and especially in this season, where there's such a temptation to just hold on to what you have. Because the, at times the necessities that are around us are limited. There's a strong temptation to just hold on to the things that you have in your uh, possession, and not to be open-minded and give to others. But if you give to others, God will also give to you. He will meet your needs. And he will pour out a supernatural blessing upon you. I want to read a scripture in Psalm 112. Verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. It said, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delights in his commands. Verse 4, it says, Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Verse 7 and 8 says this. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure, for they will have no fear. Amen. And I speak this scripture over you. That you will trust God and have no fear of any bad news in your life. In Jesus' name. Fifth blessing. I think I may have to close with this one because of time. That God has given you the ability to perform the supernatural. God has given you and I the ability to perform the supernatural. Again, let's go back to the text. First Kings 17. I want to read from verse 17 to 21. It says, Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my son and kill my son? Of my sin, sorry, and kill my son? Elijah said, give me your son. He took him from his arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him in his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? 
Then he stretched himself out onto the boy three times and cried out to the Lord. Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. Amen. So what is so encouraging about this part of the story is that Elijah was in the middle of an unexpected crisis. Now, why am I saying that's encouraging? That's because we can all relate to being involved in some kind of crisis one way or another. Most people in this situation, when you enter some kind of a crisis in this, in this way, Cry up to God to help to help them, whether they believe in God or not. I'm sure you've seen that before. People that are in a crisis situation, they'll cry, "Oh God, this, that, or the other," and they may not have a relationship with Him, but they'll cry out to Him. However, Elijah cried out to God, but his cry was supported by his personal relationship with God. Look at verse 20. It said, "Then he cried out to the Lord." Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself over the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. See, in an act of desperation mixed with faith and hope, Elijah stretched his entire body over the boy and prayed for God to bring the boy back to life. And see, by stretching his body over the, over the boy, he did a, a, symbolic, a symbolic act, I would say, by giving his whole self, in other words, his whole heart to help. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, you will seek me and find me. You will seek me with your whole heart. God responded to Elijah, seeking him with a miracle. So said so God responded to Elijah by seeking him, and a miracle took place, and the boy came back to life. And likewise, things that may be dead in your life, they will come back to life as you seek God with your whole heart. See, the Lord will use you supernaturally to perform, to both perform and to receive miracles as you seek him and as you develop your relationship with him. I think time is up now, so I want to pray. You know, we've heard a number of things about your relationship with God. And if there's one thing that I want to really home in on, it's about prioritizing your relationship with him. You know, there are many relationships in life that we have, but there's only one relationship that you have that will determine where you end up in eternity, and that's your relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And it's how close we are to Jesus now that will determine what will happen or where we go to when we leave this earth. So I want to encourage you, looking at these benefits that we have, the blessings that we have, all of these blessings that I mentioned in this scripture all stem from our closeness and prioritizing our relationship with God. The Bible says, draw close to me and I will draw close to you. Just agree as I pray. Father, I thank you right now, Lord God, for your word. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you will help us to be deliberate in drawing close to you, that you will help us, Lord God, to prioritize you in this season. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that even though, Lord God, physically we can't come together, we are united in spirit. And I pray, Lord God, that, Lord, that you will help us 
to receive and to maximize every privilege and blessing and dynamic that comes from a relationship with you. Help us, oh God, to be used in the supernatural. Help us, oh God, to demonstrate trust in you. Help us, oh God, to be able to speak words by faith into our situation. All of these things stem from our walk with you. And we pray that you will help us to draw closer to you in all that we do. So, Father, we thank you. I pray, oh God, that, Lord, that you have spoken to every person individually. You will speak into their lives and help them to know you more as a result of this word. So we thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.